If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only michael lociello hi david hello michael how are you welcome congratulations thank you how are you good uh spoiler alert your book has been turned into a movie i mean i've heard you have heard um, you know, how, how has this process been? Like, you know, I mean, you, you wrote the book way back and now, you know, the movie's out, like, what is life like these days now that your baby is out into the world? Uh, crazy, surreal, um, still having a hard time wrapping my head around it, that it's all happening. Um, and then it's real and that, in two weeks, a movie is going to be released about my life. It's crazy. I mean, you know, the book was so touching. The movie is so touching. Like, what was it like, you know, revisiting like this subject matter, you know, for everyone who doesn't know who's listening, you know, this was about, you know, really a love story between you and, you know, your ex-boyfriend, then husband, you know, that he passed away from a rare form of cancer. Like, what was it like revisiting these issues? It was really healing and therapeutic in a way that writing the book was not. Um, because I was writing the book while I was deep in the throes of grief, it was a it was a hard, lonely, isolating process. Now that I've had, you know, several, you know, it's gonna be eight years that Kit has died and I've 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 I'm on the other side, I think, I hope, of the grief process. Um this has been a much more enjoyable uh uh, experience. And, you know, this has given me the opportunity to collaborate with other people, you know, whereas writing a book, it's, you know, I'm just sitting home alone. Um, so this, this was a much more enjoyable, um, and I would say therapeutic experience too. And, uh, I, I feel like making this movie has, uh, allowed me to, to remember, more of the good times that I had with Kit and focus less on that last year uh, when he died. Was there anything, because I mean, it was your life, right? But was there anything, you know, in revisiting this that you kind of maybe looked at differently or said, you know, wow, like I have a different reaction to this experience than when I went through it or when I wrote the book because you were in such a grieving process? Yeah, the Smurf scene, I have a new appreciation for what Kit must have been thinking and feeling in that moment. Um, I, I, it, when we actually lived that moment, it really surprised me. Um, I mean, I knew I knew it was weird that I collected Smurfs and um, I can understand it being a little off-putting. I, I didn't fully understand why it was the crisis that it was and why it triggered um, uh, the emotional conflict that it did. But 
you know, seeing that scene be played out, uh, I, I I have all new respect and understanding for how hard um, it must have been for Kit to walk in to my apartment in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and have the rug pulled down, out from under him like that. What is your current relationship with Smurfs these days? Uh, I remain obsessed. Um, that is my collection that was featured in the movie. Every piece oh, of uh... It was only a fraction of the collection, I'd like to point out. It's actually much bigger than that. Um, but I, I, I still love the Smurfs. I will always love the Smurfs. Um, I'm not sure what, what, what's next for the actual collection, though. You know, I had, I, it's been displayed in various incarnations in, in various homes that I've had. And now it's been in the movie. I don't know what the, what the next adventure is for the Smurf collection. Um, but uh, I'll figure it out. Well, now they could say that they've made their debut in a movie. So there you go. When you wrote the book, you know, like you said, it is a much different process. You know, I mean, it's your story. I mean, there's publishers and there's people involved. But when, we, you know, Hollywood gets involved and we make a movie, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I know you were involved in writing this. You know, were you, did you have any hesitations in going forward with this movie, just in the sense of, you know, you're giving over control in a sense, you know, it's the process of making a movie. Absolutely. That was my number one concern was the idea of, you know, I've had total control over this story up until now. Now I need to relinquish some of that control, even though I will be involved. There are now other uh, people in the mix who are going to have their own ideas. And uh, I will be one of those voices, but I won't be the only voice. Um, and that, that, that was hard. And that, that really was the, the one thing that gave me the most pause before heading on this journey was, could I do that? Would I be willing to do that? Um, you know, would I be willing to take that risk? Luckily, um, you know, it wasn't that hard to trust someone like Jim Parsons and Michael Showalter, people who I have enormous respect for, and also people who told me right out of the gate that they very much valued my contributions and wanted me to be involved and, and, and saw me as an asset throughout this production and not a liability. Uh, I always felt included in the, in the process, so that made it seem less scary. Did the road to getting this movie made, you know, before Focus Features came in and all these wonderful people that were involved, you know, just because, you know, it's so heartwarming, it's funny, but, you know, at it's tragic, you know, it's, I've never, I've, I haven't cried this much in years, but, you know, at its center, it's, you know, a love story between two men. Like, did you face opposition, you know, like in the, just, it's hard to get a movie made these days. Like, was that like an added hurdle that you had to overcome? No, if anything, it, it was an advantage uh, because the story made the story unique and special. Um, uh, I think the heart, the, the, the obstacle was, and, and you sort of hinted at it, was just getting a movie made is hard, you know, regardless of what the subject matter is, regardless how hot the subject matter is or how um, um, in demand the, the subject matter is, it's it's so hard to get a, a movie made. And even when you think you're well into the process and you're like, you've passed the point of no return, so many things can still go wrong. Um, everything really needs to align perfectly 
in order for a movie to get to get made uh and then for the movie to actually be good and for me to be proud of it seems like even more of a miracle well you have reviewed many a movie you have a long-standing you know career as an entertainment journalist like where you know i'm just curious like from one gay man to another where do you think we are now in terms of you know like we have bros at the box office like that was you know met with certain controversy like oh it didn't do great but other people are like but it to your point what you just said it was made like that's the bottom line like we have ryan murphy and so much like where just i'm curious where do you think we are as someone who's been in the business forever i mean i i feel like so much progress has been made i'm really encouraged by the number of lgbtq movies that were released this year um and the variety of the the stories um but i still feel like we have a, a long way to go i'm greedy i want more i want to see more stories I would like to see a lot more stories as well. Do you think, well, before we move on from this topic, do you think we'll ever get to the day? I agree. I agree with everything you said. Do you think we'll ever get to the day where we have like, you know, like a George Clooney or like a Brad Pitt, like someone of that, you know, like the $100 million movie, the $25 million salary where you're like, this is a gay man who lives an out gay lifestyle. And, you know, it's a lead role where you're playing the romantic lead and you're straight. Like, do you think we'll ever see that in our lifetime? Absolutely. I'm an optimist in, in, in that sense. And I, um, I, I, I seen the needle of progress move over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And I can't help but think, you know, 20 or 30 years from now that we will be at that place. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority, and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water, and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all-in-one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. Listen, it's a new year and that means you've all started it with your New Year's resolutions and I'm sure staying healthy and working out is one of your New Year's resolutions. Well, I personally always have a hard time sticking with my fitness goals. That is until I started taking Peloton classes. If I'm left to my own devices, I'll go to the gym for three or four days and then peace out, I'm over it. With Peloton classes, I mean, first of all, there's so much variety, but what I love is they're motivating. I feel like I'm not in this alone. Now, I know what you're thinking. Peloton, that's the bike, right? But listen, Peloton is more than just bikes. Did you know that Peloton makes treadmills as well? And they're great treadmills. The Peloton tread, you can adjust your speed and incline automatically while you're taking one of their classes so you never break your stride. And their instructors are from all different walks of life. They kind of have like different styles of motivation. So personally, if you have a short attention span like me, I never get bored. The classes are available 24-7. You guys are going to love these classes. You can now try the Peloton tread risk-free with a 30-day 
stay home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. You could see additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. That's great. Well, you mentioned Jim Parsons earlier. You know, how involved were you in the casting of this movie? Were you involved at all? And like, what is it like having Jim Parsons play you? Well, I had the decision of who I wanted to um, uh, give the option of this book to. And I knew that uh, part of the package deal with Jim was that he would play me. So basically, I had total control over the casting of Jim because it was my decision to get into business with him and take this journey with him. So I and I knew going in that he would play me. And I was on board with that right out of the gate. I, um, you know, I never... I, I didn't have like an idea in my head, like this is who I would want to play me in a movie of my life. Um, even when this movie became a real thing, I, I didn't really have thoughts of that. Um, but I have so much respect for Jim and I was excited to see what new things Jim would be, would bring to this, this role. Like I never imagined or thought or wanted him to like do an impersonation of me or mimic me or anything like that. I was excited to see his own version of of Michael. Um, and I was constantly surprised at the choices, pleasantly surprised at the choices and decisions he made in the, in the places he took the character. Were you a fan of the Big Bang Theory? Yeah. And I covered it religiously on TV line um, and uh, at Entertainment Weekly before that. Uh, that's how I met Jim, was covering Big Bang Theory and, and interviewing him uh, uh, repeatedly. And we developed a really fun rapport during those interviews. And that sort of led me to uh, asking him to moderate uh, the Q&A at Barnes & Noble the week my book came out. What about, do you think with like Reboot Mania, do you think we should have a Big Bang Theory? Or do you think it's way too early for that? Oh, I absolutely think it's way too early. Um, and uh, I wouldn't want to reboot I, I maybe in a couple of years, I'd be interested in a revival. Like I'd like to see, I wouldn't want to see this, this, that show with new characters um, and new actors. Cause it just, I think that would, it'd be an impossible, uh, it, there, there's no way that, that uh, they would be able to uh, match the success of, of the original. But I, I think down the road, I'd like to revisit those characters in a revival and see what they're up to. What about, you know, like you chose Jim and Jim was so great. You know, this movie is so great. There's, it's going forward. Where were you? Like, how did Sally Field get involved? Where were you when you heard that Sally Field was going to play Kit's mother? So I, oh, there was, oh, Sally Field's name was always bandied about right from the beginning, just because of her relationship with Michael Showalter, our director. They'd worked together on My Name is Doris. They had remained close since, um, but also, Sally had uh, a connection to our co-screenwriter, David Marshall Grant. They worked together on Brothers and Sisters. So she had two very strong connections to this project. So her name naturally was, was coming up as a possibility to play Kit's mom. That didn't mean that she would play Kit's mom. And I refused to allow myself to get invested in that outcome until it became real. Um, when it did become real, it didn't feel real, you know, it felt like, like I was having an out of body experience when I got the word that Sally was definitely gonna be in our movie. I, as someone who has admire, admired her work for so long, um, I, I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. Then it became about, well, I won't believe it until I'm on set and I'm seeing her in a scene. 
And then when that happened, it's like, well, I'm not going to believe it until this movie comes out. Um, uh, or at least until I see the movie. And I have seen the movie and I still can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> I, I get it. I've interviewed people like I've heard level on the show. And I'm like, until you're sitting here on a Zoom with me, I, I will not believe that this is actually happening even 30 seconds before it actually happens. So right. I yeah. totally understand it. What would Kit feel? How, how would Kit feel about Sally Field playing his mother? Um, well, he was a big Sally Field fan, and I, I, I imagine he would be thrilled by that. Um, you know, I get asked a lot what Kit would think about the movie, and I, I balk at that question because I would never want to speak for Kit, um, especially when it comes to matters of art, because uh, he always had very strong opinions. Um, but I do think he would be a huge fan of the fact that we cast Ben Aldridge as him. Um, I think he would love that we cast an extremely handsome and attractive guy to play him. Nothing wrong with that, right? Well, like I said, you know, like I followed your career when you were at TV Guide and then TV Line and Entertainment Weekly. The Osceolo Report was like a staple of mine. I mean, Entertainment Weekly, listen, was the Bible back in the day. I mean, let's... Oh my right? God. Even before I was working there, I was obsessed with it. Yeah. Back when, like, we used to get magazines in the mail, and, like, I remember waiting every week. I mean, I had no magazine subscription ever in my entire life except for Entertainment Weekly. It was And then really sometimes, it would, like, sometimes it would come on Thursday, and then sometimes you show up at your mailbox, it's not there, and you're like, what the hell? I have to wait till, like, this is, that, that's how we got all of our news. Um, what were, because we learned from, you know, this movie and just, you know, I know like Felicity was a big thing for you, the Gilmore Girls, you and I are around the same age, you grew up around the same time. So I'm just curious, like what were growing up, like you can date yourself now, like what were your pop culture obsessions growing up? Um, daytime television, Days of Our Lives, and um, and to a larger extent, Santa Barbara um, were huge parts of my childhood um, and I, I was obsessed with both of those shows, um, to the point where, I, I mean, I even went to a Days of Our Lives convention, um, when I was in high school. Uh, Twin Peaks, uh, was, you know, a, a seminal show in my childhood. Uh, X-Files was, a was another one, but also primetime soap operas, Dallas, Falcon Crest, Dynasty. I was, I mean, I was a soap opera guy. Dallas is literally my favorite show of all time. So there you go. Literally. You been to the real South Fork? I went for the 40th anniversary the last time they had it. I think 2018. I mean, Larry Hagman wasn't there, but like Linda Gray, Patrick Duffy, Charlene Tilton, Steve Canale. It was like everything. I've never been. I, I That's my, on my bucket list to get to South Fork. You need to go. It's really, you know, it's different than you expect, but it's still like you're there. Because it's smaller than you. It's not like this huge mansion. It's smaller and like the inside's different, but you get to go on that, like, you know, where they had the, either their outside breakfast all the time and the driveway and you're just like, I got to yeah. get, yeah. you're like, this is a bucket list moment. It's so simple just to get there, but you're like, this is a bucket list moment. Do you, I mean, speaking of Dallas, you know, we had Dallas was rebooted, Dallas 2.0. Like, is there a show that you think is just prime for a reboot like that? Oh, so reboot or revival. So I'm so particular about this and I don't mean to be a dick, but because I write for TV line, it's like it, it irritates me so much when people in the media call a revival a reboot because there are two different things. A reboot is, a, is taking a show at the IP and, and recreating it with a whole new cast 
you know, a whole new world. Uh, revival is continuing the story of those original characters. Um, you mean revival, right? I mean revival, but to your point, I do think we all use the word reboot so, gen- you know, I guess I I mean revival, but I'm also now curious as to, do you think there should be any show that should ever be rebooted and just new characters and starting over? I've never been a, a fan of reboots. Um, uh, and I've always been sort of skeptical of them, especially if it's a show that I loved initially. It's like, I don't want to really see it be remade with new people. Um, I do often, however, want to see those, the characters that I loved you know where they are today and and um it's hard actually to figure out i mean a lot of the shows i would love a santa barbara revival um honestly more than anything uh but you know i am aware of the challenges of getting that cast back together i know what they are so i know it probably isn't ever going to happen and that makes me really sad um falcon crest is another one you know we've had a number of like dallas revivals i would love a falcon crest revival but jane wyman isn't alive so what would that be like um so yeah i all of my revival pipe dreams are just that they're they're pipe dreams i don't think they're ever going to happen what about Felicity? I mean, you know, we have Scott Speeman's busy on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, I'm not sure Carrie Russell wants to do it, but, you know, just didn't. I mean, I love Felicity because that was a show that was, that was a, it was a college show. I don't know how it would feel to be outside of that setting. Um, you know, Gilmore Girls was a small town show. When that show came back, it was still in the small town. It was still in that setting. Um, so it felt familiar. Uh, Felicity feels like it would be a little bit more of a, a, a risk because I don't know I don't know what the setting would be I don't know where they would be but oh my god I'd I'd love I'd love uh, to to revisit those characters particularly if JJ um, Abrams and Matt Reeves the co-creators if they were involved uh, I would I would totally be on board. Now that it's the new year, how many of you are returning holiday gifts that you got that you either didn't want or, wait a second, even worse, don't work? One gift you would never need to return is Relief Band because it actually does work. I know this for a fact because I've been a user for about a year now. I have motion sickness. Now, I know a lot of you do. And Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness. Now, you can also use this for anxiety, migraines, hangovers. It's great for hangovers, morning sickness. I don't leave home without it. I used to get so sick in Ubers and now I wear it and I don't get sick anymore. So listen, if you guys want the band that actually works at relieving your nausea, check out Relief Band. Right now, because you're listening to Behind the Velvet Rope, I have an exclusive offer for you. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code VELVET, you get 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use promo code VELVET to get 20% off plus free shipping. Now that this movie is out and you've been doing a ton of press and chatting with people like me, I mean, you know, this is your job. Like, I mean, is it is it strange to you? I mean, I know you've done interviews before, but like you're really hardcore now doing press. Like, is it strange to be on the other side of the receiving line? Yeah, it absolutely is strange. Uh, and at first, it was it, it was uncomfortable. Um, you know, I did did some press after the book came out, and I I didn't relish being on the other side. I was m- much more comfortable being in your position and the one asking correct 
questions. And I think that's about control. You know, I, I like I like to be in control. I like to be in the driver's seat. Um, and this is a, a more vulnerable, scary place to be. Uh, but everybody's been so nice and and the response to the movie's been so great that the, the experience has honestly been really lovely. I mean, when you talk about vulnerable, it is a movie based on your life with subject matter that is, you know, teary-eyed at many times. What about, you know, you have done so many interviews to my point, like, is there just a favorite interview that you've ever done that, or, you know, one that sticks out of just someone where you're like, wow, this was great? I interviewed Lucy Lawless at Comic-Con when I was at Entertainment Weekly, probably 2008 or 2009. She was on Spartacus at the time. And Lucy Lawless is so much fun. She's also so filthy. And uh, she brought the filth to the interview and proceeded to explain to me what a merkin was, which I didn't know. A merkin is a pubic wig. And they use them on the Spartacus set because new, everybody is naked all the time. So it, during this interview, which I think is on YouTube somewhere, she proceeded to explain to me what a merkin was. And it's one of the most joyous, hilarious interview experiences I've ever had. I'm going to have to go find it now. What about the opposite where someone just, you know, like they always say, like, don't meet your idols where you interviewed someone and, you know, like maybe if it was just a different day, who knows, but where you were just like, gosh, I was so excited to chat with this person. Cause you know, like you're like me, I think like in the sense that you love pop culture. So of course it's your job, but you have your favorites where you were just kind of let down or just like, man, that could have been so much better. You know, I'm sure I do. I think I blocked, I probably blocked them out because nothing is like top of mind. Um, nothing, I, I definitely have had uncomfortable interviews. Um, you know, I like, I like to be sort of playful in interviews and, um, uh, and sometimes not every, not everybody is super responsive to that. And that could make the interview sort of awkward. Um, but, uh, nothing, no, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Certainly there, I don't know of any experiences where I was meeting someone who I idolized and they disappointed me and maybe that's partly because I go into those experiences with low expectations um you know I I I'm not I'm I'm not really under the illusion that uh um they're going to be exactly as I hope or want them to be uh in fact I go in the other direction go with low expectations you'll be pleasantly surprised yeah I think I'm kind of the same way do you get starstruck? I mean, you've met everyone who's anyone you've interviewed casts of every show possible movies like do you get starstruck? Yes, I got starstruck by Sally Field yesterday in the elevator, and I worked with her for two months. I was like, holy shit, that's Sally Field standing next to me in an elevator, like insane. Absolutely, I get I get starstruck. Um, uh, it doesn't happen often, but it happens. Do you have, well, Sally Field's a great one. Brothers and Sisters is one of the best shows that's ever existed also and of all time. Do you have someone like you would just love to interview that you haven't? Like who's on the top of your list? I'm sure it changes all the time. And then you actually interview them and then someone else moves up on the list. I would like to interview Marcy Walker and A. Martinez from Santa Barbara. They played Cruz and Eden, the main couple. Um, they, that, that relationship has served as such an inspiration for me as a kid, but also as an adult, um, I would love to get the two of them. Sit, sit, I would love to sit the two of them down and interview both of them. That would be a dream. That would be great. Well, one thing I remember about the early 2000s is you were, to me, you were one of the first 
like survivor super fans. Like that's what I remember. Where do you think like reality TV is today? Like, do you still watch survivor? I don't, I actually don't watch much reality television at all anymore. And I think part of it is because it just, you know, when survivor came on the scene, it, it was special. It was unique. Reality was just kind of that industry was in its infancy. Now it's so ubiquitous. Um, that it doesn't feel special anymore. Uh, and there are just so many options that uh, I, I think I kind of turned away from it um, uh, a little bit. I, I was obviously a huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race um, when it first came out, uh, mostly because it was something that Kit and I enjoyed together and was a big part of our relationship. And you know, you see that in the movie as well. But even that, after Kit died, I couldn't go near it. Like it would, that to me was sacred ground. That was just too special and something that we did together that um, I cannot bring myself to revisit. Wow. So like you have never watched Drag Race since? I've never watched one episode since. And it's been, it's made it difficult because I have to say, you know, that franchise exploded after Kid died, it became a much bigger deal than it is now. So it's hard to be in the company of gay men and not watch Drag Race because it's all, you know, it's all they talk about. And I'm just like, you know, you know, standing in the corner, you know, sipping my vodka uh, cranberry and being like, mm, I don't know who you're talking about. The gays fight over the queens the way straight men fight over, the, over their Super Bowl teams. It's true. Are you shocked at like what, you know, like Housewives, the Kardashians, like, are you shocked at like what reality TV has become? I'm not shocked. I'm indifferent to it. You know, I, I don't really have any interest in in watching those shows, not to say, not to pass judgment on people who do watch them. Um, I know they're in, incredibly popular and I have a lot of friends who are obsessed with those shows, a lot of really smart, highbrow friends who are obsessed with Housewives. Um, but, uh, I, I think because I grew up watching Dallas and Falcon Crest and Days of Our Lives and Santa Barbara, um, the idea of these reality soap operas, I don't know, I'm a little bit like, no, I won't take me back to the eighties. Those are the soap operas I want. Those are the real stories that were told. <laughs> Do you have, like, I know you've made, you know, many appearances in Gilmore Girls and Felicity, the Americans, like Scrubs, some of these great shows. Like, do you have any interest in being in front of the camera? No, God, no. Um, no, that ship has sailed. And in fact, the appearances that you mentioned were really just for, for fun and um, allowed me to have, uh, in some cases, an interesting point of view on telling a story, uh, just sort of being part of that behind the scenes process. What have you been, because I know there's been screenings of this movie, like in San Francisco and LA, and I mean, I'm, I live in New York, like, in New York City, have you been in any of the audiences just quietly, like in the back, like watching all these people react to this movie? And what's that like? Yeah, I was at, in, at the San Francisco screening that was at the iconic Castro Theater, which I had never been to. So this was my first time going to that theater and I was seeing this movie. Um, it was incredible. It was, it, you know, it was incredible because people were responding to it, you know, and listening to that response, whether it be laughter or tears, um, just, it, it felt extremely validating. What do you want people to take away as they watch, spoiler alert? 
I want them to take away whatever they take away. I I don't want to project any of my own opinions or thoughts or expectations or desires on it on anyone else. You know, I I love going to the movies. I'm a huge cinema buff, but I like to go to the movies without all that noise in my head. I like to just you know sit down, enjoy the experience, and take away what I take away. That said, I hope people are moved by it. I I hope they're entertained by it. I mean, you know, can't ask for anything more than that. It was a final two questions as we wrap up. It was absolutely brilliant. I, I'm like a tough New Yorker. I don't cry. I don't cry in movies even, but I, this one did it for me. I oh, was so sobbing. It was phenomenal. Seriously, everyone needs to like see this like 10 times over. It was really great. Like I'm saying that sincerely. That means a lot. Thank you. What, do you have a current pop culture obsession now? Like, is there a show or something that you just love and are obsessed with? I'm right now obsessed with Andor on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's the Star Wars uh, show. In fact, last night, um, I watched Rogue One for like the third time because Andor is a prequel to Rogue One. Um, it's so brilliantly done and it took me by such surprise. I've liked the other Star Wars shows on Disney+, Plus, but this one is so highbrow. This one is so smart um, and so beautifully captures the spirit and the DNA of the Star Wars universe without featuring any of the iconic characters, uh, which is just miraculous. Um, I'm I'm just loving Andor and I encourage everyone to watch it. I'm going to have to check that out and add that to my list. And final question, like what is next for you now that this is, movie has been birthed and I mean, you're doing press and you're seeing, but like what is next for you? I don't know. You know, it's a, a question I'm asking myself. It's a question I get a lot. And I'm trying not to put too much pressure on myself to follow this up with something um, unless that something inspires me. And unless that something is something I feel as passionately about as I did this story. We'll see if that happens. Well, again, I congratulations on this being out there, you know, I loved it. So, you know, congratulations. And I think everyone needs to see this. And I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I followed your career for a very long time. So this has been great. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me, and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.